You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daddy. Time to make it hot. Found the Hot Take Fantasy Football Podcast, another live stream edition coming at you guys. Pretty big game this weekend. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but we're going to be breaking this down here. As always, we are sponsored by Thrive Fantasy and want to encourage you guys to get over to thrivefantasy.com or download the Thrive Fantasy app today and use promo code HOTTAKE, all caps, all one word, all day long and get you that instant 100% deposit match up to $100, and that's for all new users. So if you have been sleeping on Thrive, as you guys know, Dr. Berm's trying to personally uh, make it his mission to bankrupt the site, essentially. He's just trying to win all their money all year long. And he couldn't join us this week, but as usual, the OG is with me, Mr. Stephen Taroni. Happy to Yeah, Dr. Berman is not with us tonight because he is tapping in hard this week. I think he's going to come up big on Thrive. I mean, what we got uh, 100K on the line, right? The 100K yeah, rises yeah, we'll on, talk on about that main here. Yeah, exactly. The uh, $25, the main uh, contest here. We'll talk about that in a little bit and get into that. But yeah, as you guys know, he's been taking it down. That was all about, essentially, that was the whole last episode was just uh, the year in, in Berm, Bankroll Berm's review of uh, him looking in the rear view mirror of all that money that he's been uh, pulling in. And we're going to, we're going to discuss that a little bit here and get into it, but we're also going to talk about some props and whatnot. Um, kind of our favorite props. And we brought on a special guest, uh, returning guest. Uh, I don't think uh, Chris has been on since August, but you guys know him from four for four. You guys know him also from football guys and NBC sports edge. Um, and maybe, you know, Dropping some forecasts here and there. Uh, it's Mr. Chris Allen. Yo, what's going on, fellas? I appreciate y'all having me back. It's been too long. I mean, like you were just saying, Josh, that we've been able to chop it up. But uh, what better time than for us to get back together than right before the Super Bowl, right before the Bengals, and get back to a game that, one, most folks didn't expect them to be at, and two, a game that they haven't been in for decades. So, no, I'm, I'm really happy to be here with you guys tonight. And, I mean, let's talk fantasy. Let's talk props. I mean, let, let's go on and get into it, man. Yes, 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 absolutely. And I think last time you came on, it was literally like the show right before the Fantasy Expo. And, of course, Mr. Taroni sporting the, the Fantasy Expo shirt. And, of course, that was officially announced here uh, by Mr. Bob Long for the 2022 edition. Not only do I got the shirt, but oh, if you guys want to feast your eyes on that, because yes, there, there were 71 others in that room. You know, you guys were there, but not everyone gets the ring. Yeah. Only a couple people get the ring. So that's from the uh, office division. I was happy enough to beat, you know, uh, a couple great uh, people in that league. I mean, we had... Jeff Bell in that. Uh, we had our, our boy Ryan Weiss, a lot of yep. great names. Our, yep. our own Dr. Berman. Dr. Berm. Yep. I mean, look, the yep. man was sharp. We know he won almost 20K on Thrive, so the dude is sharp. Yeah, and, and kudos to you, by the way. We can't shortchange you because I had like just pulled up to the Double Tree 
and basically, you know, we're we're meeting for the first time out in the lobby. Yeah, there's chaos. You know, there's so, many, so much going on. There's people drafting. Like, and then you, I'm then on the you clock. tell me right before we go live, you tell me that oh, not only did I win, I also outscored everybody else. No big, no big deal. That's so, true. So yes. So actually, I just messaged uh, Draft Night out. Uh, you know, we're gonna get into the props, but this is great because obviously, you know, Expo tickets just went up. Yeah. Uh, and this was just told to me that we're actually going to have a trophy presentation. Yeah. I, I don't know. This sounds like they're going to have a trophy presentation there for the winners of last year. Hey, yes. all right. That's, that's pretty baller. I'm uh, looking forward to it. And uh, Chris, hopefully we get to see you there again this year as well. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so shout out to Bob Lung for setting that up. Uh, just absolutely tremendous what he's doing for the city of Canton there. Um we uh we can't wait for uh, another six months but here we will be and uh speaking of ohio you know we got ohio team in the super bowl 56 these cincinnati Bengals. we you know the hot take we we donned the the joe mixon logo uh you know on, the, on the, the our our twitter cover uh that's right you know, the the colors i mean it's all it all matches up here we're taking credit here i like what that's you're doing right. that's right we got so we got uh you know we got my stafford jersey in the back we had to even it out somehow you guys know i'm, I'm a diehard lions fan unfortunately it's one of my faults but uh so i'm trying to trying to even it out but uh we wanted to bring chris on uh chris personally i one of the first super bowls i ever remember uh was 49ers and Bengals when i was like my daughter's uh, yeah. age and uh, -huh. uh but, you know, unfortunately, I was, I was a Jerry Rice guy back then. But I was rooting mm -hmm. for the Bengals. I do remember that. I love the helmets, love the unis, still do. They're fresher than ever. And uh, I wanted to, we wanted to get into it here. Uh, you guys were both on Cooking with Sven last night, and you guys were kind of chopping it up about the Bengals. And we, we kind of wanted you to touch on that here. Like, what does it mean, you know, to you as a fan? And then also just kind of, like, go into the team in general this year. Yeah, for sure. And I think that anybody that's been a fan of the Bengals for, I mean, any period of time, I mean, just within this last year, the 180 that they've essentially pulled in terms of just the, the general perception that we have for the team, like I was saying last night, is just never something that I ever saw coming. Uh, I've, I've been a fan for just about 20 years now. Uh, I've had family that lived uh, in Cincinnati. I uh, used to have an auntie that lived like outside of Bond Hill uh, neighborhood, like uh, towards the north of Cincinnati. Uh, but my grandmother also uh, lived there as well. I still got cousins that are in the area. Uh, I went to undergrad uh, down at UC uh, just a few years, actually, before the uh, Kelsey brothers came along. Uh, but I've been a part of that city. I've been connected to that city. And I remember just so many of the I, I like I use the term tragic to describe some of these moments, but I mean, some of them, they are tragic. Like I remember where I was when uh, the news about Chris Henry's death uh, came, you know, came down the news. I remember where I was at when I, uh, I remember sitting in my dorm watching the game where Carson Palmer uh, wound up tearing his ACL during the yeah. game against the Steelers. I remember where I was watching the Jeremy Hill fumble. I mean, just so many things that have happened to the Bengals to the point where it's just like, you're already thinking about what the next season can possibly bring after week two, week three, or like the first divisional game when the Steelers, they either go to Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh comes to Cincinnati, we get stomped out. And then it's just like, all right, well, it is what it is. We'll never really get out of this division. Let's just kind of pack it up or we'll just look to the next season and see what happens. And that's just completely changed now. It really has. I mean, the way that everybody feels about this connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I mean, we were just having arguments about, 
whether or not they should have drafted Panay Sewell, not just like not six months ago. Right. And seeing how different that everyone's like, oh, yes, you know, that that they, you know, we're so glad that they made this pick. We're so glad that they were able to create the recreate this connection that they had at LSU and really taking this passing game, which for all intents and purposes was pretty much kneecapped by Zach Taylor or just the offensive coaching in general, because go all the way back to the early parts of the season when they were dead last at one point in terms of neutral passing. And it's taken them the entire season to get up to at least 12th in pass rate over expectation. I mean, this yep. is a team that, I mean, what, we, we lost the Jets back in week eight. <laughs> so many things have happened just within this season alone that it almost erases, I mean, literally decades worth of the perception that we've had of the Bengals. And so, I mean, not to just take up too much with my fandom, but just thinking about where we've been at and by we I mean just like Cincinnati fans the Bengals franchise in general and now just the general hope that most folks have when thinking about this team I mean the fact that they went out and spent in free agency to bring in a number of the defensive stars that a lot of people are lauding at this point the fact that they were able to make that selection for Jamar Chase I mean just what we can think about the team the franchise in general the thought process that, that goes into the team building and what we can possibly see from them moving forward I know it's still going to be a tough division. I mean, we got kind of lucky with the fact that the Baltimore Ravens were injured throughout most of the year. I mean, they had what I want to say the most or they were top three, top four in terms of the number of players that were put on injured reserve throughout the season. I mean, the Steelers with Ben's arm, essentially, I mean, just completely going noodle up. I mean, just (laughs) there's so many. I mean, and then the Browns, I mean, all the mishaps that happened with Cleveland, them losing Odell Beckham. I mean, there's just so many parts and pieces that have broken the way of Cincinnati in order for them to get there. But still, I go back to the fact that the team made this decision. The team has the offensive personnel in place. The coaching staff is also in place for next year as well. And we've got this young talent, this core, this nucleus of Burrow, Chase, Higgins with ancillary players like Boyd, Uzama. I mean, Mixon's still going to be there for a few more years as well, even though he's on his second contract. I mean, there's still so much to like about this team with some obvious flaws as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about once we get into the props. But it's still, I'm just so very excited and so happy to see that not only is the team performing well, but it's now, it's cool to be a Bengals fan, which is something I never thought I'd see. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it all starts with that uh, number one pick couple oh, years yeah. ago with Joe Burrow, you know what I mean? But, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, our boy, our uh, our cover boy, he's, well, only 25. So, I mean, you know, you still have uh, some some tread on that tire. And mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a lot to look forward to. And, you know, you'd mentioned uh, the Panay Sewell pick. Um, just, just to kind of show where we're at with that, uh, the Lions and the Bengals, when week one started, Mm-hmm. The odds for the Bengals and the Lions to win the Super Bowl were the same. <laughs> so everybody, so everybody, think about that for a second. And uh, right, you know, there are haters that will, you know, stick to their guns and say the Sewell pick was should they should have still picked him. There are still right. people that are sticking to that. Like, can you believe? Oh that yeah. there's actually haters that think that Jamar Chase was not the pick. I mean, there was that. What Zach Taylor, if I'm remembering correctly, was the odds-on favorite to be the first coach fired in the NFL. I mean, there was just yeah. so much negativity surrounding the team that pick that it was just. I mean, what we were having the drops conversation about Jamar Chase at about the same time. 
at the beginning of the season. Right. So it's just, yeah, man, it's so far we've come in such a short period of time. So let's ask this before we get into the props. Um, what's it going to take for them to beat the Rams in L.A.? I mean, this is like, you know, it's a Cinderella story, obviously. Mm -hmm. So that we haven't thought that the Rams were going to win. and Or I'm sorry, the Bengals were going to win any of these games. If you're looking at it, you're like, oh, I mean, I know that a lot of people were picking the Titans as, man, they're a sleeper Super Bowl team. Oh, the Bengals won. Well, they're not being the Chiefs. Oh, no, they won. So now no one's picking them again, of course. What's it going to take for them to win? In my mind, three key factors that have to be, have to be in play uh, for the Bengals. Uh, first, we need another just perfect game from Joe Burrow. I mean, just think about the edges that existed that broke in the favor of the Bengals just a couple of weeks ago against Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yep. I mean, if Joe Burrow gets uh, sacked by Chris Jones on that play that he wound up taking, what was that, seven, eight, nine yards for that first down, the game's over. Right. And, on and on the flip side of that, the defense also stepping up as well in order to make a number of plays, interceptions, and things of that nature in order to allow Cincinnati's offense to generate yeah. some of the drives and get them in scoring position. So those are at least two portions right there. We need another just absolutely immaculate game from Joe Burrow, which he has now delivered three out of three times. And then also, I mean, well, I can't say that immaculate. I mean, nine sacks against Titans is probably yeah. not an immaculate yeah. performance from Joe Burrow, but he did yeah. enough, right? You he know, did enough. Yeah, and that's the thing, Chris, you're not supposed to win games when you get sacked nine times. Yeah, and, exactly. And then you're not supposed to win games against the Chiefs where you're down, you know, 11 points twice. Yeah. Right, or, or you're down three, by yeah. you know, two touchdowns yeah. or two possessions, you know, and they did not only that, but they they did it twice against the Chiefs. So, yeah, um, the know, third the third thing, though, that they have to have that they have okay. to change about their offense is their uh, early down passing rate. I remember, I mean, Tony Romo was almost like apoplectic, like sitting in the booth talking about the <laughs> neutral passing game. I mean, he was just like, they can't continue to just throw Joe Mixon at Kansas City's line. Right. And if that was the case against Kansas City, I mean, what are we expecting against the Rams defensive front? I mean, yeah. with Aaron Donald coming up the middle, Von Miller coming off the side. I mean, there's just too much of a disruption from uh, from the Rams defensive front. I mean, they were top five in terms of pass rush win rate throughout the regular season. They continued to be that during the uh, during the playoffs as well. There's just no way that I can believe that Cincinnati's offensive game plan is going to be, well, we're going to continue to throw Joe Mixon into these not advantageous situations, even though so far throughout the offseason, their early down run rate has been about an average of 42, 43%, which again, has put them in those long down and distances, I mean, numerous times, like throughout the off season. So I just, I know, like, I'm hoping that they wind up looking back over the past three games they've played so far, seeing how much pressure Burrow has been under, seeing how inefficient Joe Mixon has been in those situations, and hopefully they can adjust. So I think that, I don't know, Josh, is that a good time to transition into the props? Yeah, um, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, I think that's um, Chris brought up kind of that that advantage, you know, that I think the biggest mismatch, if you will, uh, he alluded to, you know, that Rams D line, you know, how, how successful they have been uh, against pass or uh, with pass rush win rate. And then, you know, you also have uh, the concerns with Cincinnati's O line, uh, mainly in the interior. So it's, 
you know, it, it, that's kind of one of those uh, where we're looking to take advantage of that. And I know, Chris, you were talking about one of the props I really liked, uh, early, you know, earlier before we came on. And you're talking about the Rams uh, over three and a half sacks. Uh, that's one that I've already bet. Uh, I'll let you talk about that one to start. And then we'll get into a couple other ones before we attack the Thrive slate. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's that, I feel like that's, that's, that's an over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, regardless of if you think that they can want, if the Bengals can wind up winning or not, I mean, already we've got what the nine sacks that he had against, uh, like when they played against Tennessee, I believe he took what two or three, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, when they played uh, against, uh, against the Raiders. And then now, I mean, just this past week, Kansas city, while they weren't able to wind up generating like too many sacks, I think overall he's at about three to four sacks like per game throughout the playoffs so far. Yeah. So if we're looking at just an average of about four sacks per game, I mean, obviously uh, the nine sacks skews that average, but at, at the very least we're looking at, I mean, three and a half is probably a fairly decent line. And also looking at, uh, I just, I was looking at uh, the DK Sportsbook. That's a plus money bet. It's at plus one five yeah. over at DK Sportsbook. Yeah. So it's just like as much, yeah. I mean, again, I have to separate my fandom in order to you know profit at least at, at some point and looking at the way that it is right now i think that's one that's a that's a reasonable bet at this point looking how looking yeah, at how reasonable. the Bengals offensive line matches up against the rams mm-hmm. defensive front yeah i mean they only got you know they only allowed one sack against kansas city so obviously they've made some changes and i guess what i was alluding to with the joe mixon thing is we noticed a lot of samaj p ryan out there on third mm-hmm. down he ended up getting a lot of targets so does that have to do with them saying, hey, we can't keep sending Joe Mixon out there to the Wolves. Let's mix it up. Let's get Samaje out there on third downs. Is that going to continue this game? Because we're looking at a Joe Mixon prop of 98 and a half for rushing and receiving. So that, you know, to me says, okay, we want him out there on third down. You know, is it because it's the big game and maybe they can't risk having somebody like Chris Evans or Samaje P. Ryan out there? So they cut that back, or do you think we'll see more of the same this game? The hope is that we see a shift in the way that they wind up deploying Mixon, because as of right now, you're absolutely right, Stephen, that they've actually wound up using Samaji P. Ryan on those uh, obvious passing down situations throughout the playoffs. And just the playoffs alone, I mean, Samaji P. Ryan has four targets to Mixon's zero as of right now. I mean, Mixon has just five routes on third and fourth down obvious passing situations while P Ryan has essentially quadrupled him at 21 routes. So back to what we were talking about earlier and those key factors that I was mentioning for Cincinnati in order to win, they have to find a better way to deploy Mixon on the field. We know that he's an, you know, we know that he's a good pass catcher. We know that he can be an efficient pass catcher as well. I'm not saying that he's Aaron Jones or Alvin Kamara or any of those guys, but he can at least be a decent facsimile of either of those two backs. And so in my mind, the way that they should deploy Joe Mixon would be in a similar way that they've tried to use Samaji P. Ryan in terms of getting him out there on routes. I mean, essentially knowing that they have a poor offensive line and just saying that we're going to wind up using him on screens. We're going to use him in the flats in, in terms of getting him out there in space and in, in essence, trying to get the pressure off of Joe Burrow. That's how I would deploy him. But we've already seen them do this. Not once, not twice, but in three games now throughout the playoffs. And yeah. so it's just like, I don't know if they're going to wind up saying in the Super Bowl, we have to scrap everything. But 
historically, it does lend itself to Maji Piran being the guy that they're going to use on those passing down situations. Right. And I can understand him getting in there for so many third downs, like you mentioned, literally almost every one, because he is better at pass protection. But I don't think, you know, this is the time to you have your best athlete on the sidelines, you know, and I mean, I think you do have to break tendency. We have seen some teams do that when it comes to the Super Bowl. Uh, they'll break tendency maybe in order to get a leg up. But, you know, the pass pro, you got to stave mm-hmm. off Aaron Donald, Von Miller and all these guys. And, you know, right. we've seen some Bengals drives stall out. I mean, Evan McPherson's banged four field goals in every uh-huh. playoff game. So I can't help but think a couple of these drives, you know, are going to probably stall out because of either a sack or, you know, some sort of missed pickup or something like that with just how ferocious the Rams D uh, has been. So looking at that, um, I just wanted to touch on, I, I do like, you know, some of the McPherson kicking props in here. Um, yes. You know, I like uh, the shortest field goal to be longer than uh, 27 and a half yards. I do like him to get, uh, you know, over one and a half field goals made. Uh, same for Gay, for that matter, for, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the Rams as well. Um, but any other props you guys wanted to touch on real quick before we do the Thrive Slate? Do you let's you want to get into this Rams backfield and kind of how we think we're going to shake out there, Professor? Well, yeah, so it does get a little messy, I guess, when you look at it with Daryl Henderson being activated. Um, mm-hmm. But at the beginning of the week, assuming Daryl Henderson was going to play, I still was eyeing Sony Michelle props uh, wherever I could. And there's two, you know, kind of things that point me in that direction that are narrative based. I love my narratives. So, I mean, we're talking about they brought him in. And what did Sean McVay say? We want playoff experience. Okay. Well, you got it. There he is. Okay. We want someone who's had Super Bowl experience. Okay. Well, you're in the game and you got the player. Um, They didn't expect Cam Akers back, I don't think, at this point. And they didn't expect to use him as much as they have been. Um, I almost think we're going to see a little bit less of Akers than we've seen. He's going to start the game, obviously. But I think they're going to distribute it around. McVay said this week it's going to be a hot hand approach. But I've seen uh, Sony Michelle's props starting at six carries uh, at like minus one ten odds. Um, so I'm I'm very comfortable, you know, bringing that up a little bit for the at least prop. Um, and then once you get to eight, it gets to like plus one twenty for eight mm-hmm. carries. And I think he's going to be in that range. Sony's going to be in that eight to like thirteen carries. And I think I'm pretty comfortable with that. So, you know, I think he has a good chance to fall into the end zone. If we think this, you know, obviously the Rams are favored. We think that they might be able to control the game a little bit. Um, I think Michelle is going to be used. I think he's going to be used at the goal line. Um, so anywhere that I can kind of get some uh, Sony props, and, you know, we're going to talk about some for Thrive. I'm kind of looking at him right now. That being said, you know, who knows? I, I think it's up in the air. I would love to get a CA's perspective on like the Rams backfield. It's pretty it seems like it's pretty messy right now. Yeah. And I was just yeah. going to say, Chris, I know you wanted to talk about the volume and um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to real quick, I'm going to set up the thrive slate and pull up a couple of the Rams plop props uh, here while you're talking about how you think the carries are going to divvy up. Yeah. Because it's not just the fact that cam Akers that he's coming back from this shoulder injury that he sustained a couple of weeks ago that kept him down to, I mean, what was it like less than 10 touches if I'm remembering right, or somewhere around that mark, but still it's not just the injury, but also the fact that 
He's just been inefficient as a, as a runner. I mean, let's go ahead and toss out what was the number that I've seen thrown out, like 3.1, like YPC or somewhere around there for Akers, like since he's come back. But he really has just been an inefficient runner. I mean, outside of also the two fumbles that he had in the red zone, but overall, like th- uh, throughout the playoffs, I mean, his success rate, which for me, I define success rate as the ratio of carries that you have with a positive expected points added, like per, uh, per rush attempt. He's been below 30%, which average for most running backs is uh, for most uh, like top 12 or even top 16 running backs has been 35%. He's been below that threshold in all three games. I mean, he bottomed out in week 20 when he didn't have the injury at 20.8%. So it's like, I get that the narrative should be there that, I mean, Sean McVay, happy to get his guy back, happy to get the guy that they invested the draft capital in. He's coming back like from this Achilles tear, which is a great story in and of itself. But You also got, I mean, since even you were talking about the narratives, so who were the Rams playing against the last time that they were in the Super Bowl? And what team did Sonny Michelle play for before he came over to the Rams? So it's like you could see a case where Sean McVay wants to, like, I don't know, get rid of the demons that they had, like, from the last time in the Super Bowl. And if Sonny Michelle comes in, has at least a few good carries, he wants to ride the hot hand. I could see him wind up having a decent game or at least enough to torpedo the value of Cam Akers. I saw a prop on DK Sportsbook earlier, Sonny Michelle over 19 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. I don't hate that at this point, just thinking about how those touches could be distributed because I could see Cam Akers starting the game, maybe even having 50% of the workload, but I can see Sonny Michelle coming in and having 25 to 40% of the workload. And then if mm-hmm. he winds up busting a long one or even getting some of those third down short yardage conversions to extend drives, hey, then we're talking about the guy that Sean McVay would most likely want to ride until the end of the game if the team's being successful with it. Yeah, and he's shown a tendency to be, I mean, he's he's known as this offensive, you know, mastermind, but he gets very conservative in the second half of games. You know, I probably would too if I've lost like one game in my whole coaching career where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm winning at halftime. So, I mean, I kind of right. get it, but at the same time, uh, you know, the, the way this shakes out, it's kind of like anybody's guess now that Henderson's a wild card, but, uh, I can see, you know, like, like to your point, Chris, and to your point, professor, where you're talking about getting that plus money with the eight plus carries on Michelle and going, you know, I mean, the Rams did that before with the back in the CJ Anderson thing, you know, when he came was coming off of like the Denver Super Bowl appearance, um, you know, so it makes sense. You know, they're kind of like running that back, although they've yeah. shown a tendency to maybe not do that in the playoffs. Again, we talked about breaking tendencies. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a couple of things uh, that I looked at right away was kind of where these where these rushing totals sitting. And that's where I'm going to kind of go first here on the Thrive slate. And again, this is the $25 main slate entry on Thrive. It's a 100K this weekend in this particular contest with 20K up top. Um, hopefully you can take that away from Dr. Berm, uh, but he's, he's going to be making a hard run at it. So we'll see kind of how it goes here. But this first one, the Cam Akers rushing prop, uh, I mean, this is right where about where the line opened and about where most of the books are right now is the 62, 63 yards. And it's 62 and a half at even, uh, over and under. And I mean, for that reason, for everything you guys said, I like the under, um, I think you guys kind of all agree with that one. Um, when we kind of look at, you know, just, just what we expect from, uh, guys like Sony Michelle, he's down at 28 and a half rushing yards, which mm. I mean, if we're talking 40, 50% of the carries, like Chris said, 
Um, I, I'm more than comfortable getting that tasty over for 130 points where he's at 28 and a half total rushing yards. Um, I think you'd agree with that as well, right, Steve? Yeah, I would go the under there for sure. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. He hasn't done it. He hasn't done over 62 since he's been back. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're just going with what he's done recently. I have personally done a Cam Akers touchdown rushing TD prop in every game in this postseason. And these 120 points they're giving you for the under, since he hasn't had a touchdown since he's come back, is just so tempting. Mm-hmm. But I, I just have a feeling this will be the game he gets into the end zone. He might he might only get 40 rushing yards, but he falls into the end zone, you know. But I would take the points if I'm I would double tap there and go under and then go 120 with the uh with the under on the touchdown too. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And then cor- correlation would say that if you think he's gonna go under, you probably have to hammer this juicy 130 point you know, for, for Sony Michelle to get the over, you know, to get to 29 yards, right? It's a lot of points you're getting there. Uh, it's yeah. 29, 29 point or yards. Healthy. Yeah. 29 yards. If we're saying he's going to get about 10 carries, which he got 10 carries last game, the game before that against Tampa, the, the postseason game, he only got one carry. That was an obvious, you know, to Chris Allen's to Chris, Chris's point. Uh, that was an obvious Sean McVay, like, okay, let's see what Cam Akers has. Let's get our guy back. I think he had 24 carries in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't, you know, they didn't need to go away from him. He wasn't very efficient, but he wasn't awful um, in that game. But the game before that against Arizona, Sony had 13 carries. So we're talking about double-digit carries in the last two of the last three games. Um, and again, I, I, you know, I think Matthew Stafford actually said at, in the Pro Bowl, this is intel I got from one of my friends, because I wasn't watching the Pro Bowl, but he was because he picked the over on the total points. So he had to watch the Pro Bowl, of course, because he had skin on it. <laughs> That's God's game right there, man. God, yeah. be, be a degenerate if you're betting on the Pro Bowl. I love it. I love it. I'm, right. I'm with you. I'm with you, Brandon, if you're watching. Um, but <laughs> um, but no, Matthew Stafford actually attributed a lot of the Rams' success recently to one Mr. Sony Michelle. So it's like everything's kind of pointing in that direction. I, I don't know. The 28.5 for 130 points, pretty damn good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's kind of a uh, a nice little setup there and nice little correlation with the other side. Um one real quick one that I like. Um I like the under at even 100 points both ways, but I like the under on Van Jefferson for two and a half total catches. Um but I also I also like his longest uh, over longest reception. You can find that at a lot of books right now. I think it's like 17 and a half at most places. Yep. Um, I, I do like that bet. Uh, I think he can get that uh, easily. I think he can also get his, um, you know, his yardage props as well. Uh, 32 and a half. Chris, I know you like that one as well. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that? And also the Tyler Boyd, um, you know, these these third receivers on both sides, it looks like you're. You're pretty fond of those. Of course, as I pull these up here on Thrive, we're looking at four and a half catches for Tyler Boyd, Boyd and the over on that is pretty heavily weighted, 125 to 75 there. Yeah, and I think for, for the longest reception prop, I'm digging the one for Van Jefferson, absolutely. I mean, his dot so far throughout the playoffs has been about 19.9 yards. So it's <laughs> yeah. like if his average depth of target is greater than the line that they're currently giving you, I mean, that's just an easy bet. And I've actually seen something similar for Tyler Boyd, where I think the line for his longest reception is 18 and a half yards. His average depth of target has been 5.2. So it's yeah. like, 
I would smash the under on that like all day long. But uh, <laughs> I mean, kind of zooming in on Tyler Boyd, I know that he's going to be one of the guys that for folks that are playing the showdown slate, like for the game on Sunday, or even just from props in general. I mean, you have to look at what, how the routes that he runs especially if his A dot has now kind of shrunk to that like five, five and a half region and CJ Uzuma has been injured. I know that he's going to wind up, I mean, he's questionable for the game. I saw the pep rally that they had down in Cincinnati, like before they left where he ripped off the the knee brace or whatever said he was going to play. I mean, it, I mean, look cool and everything. I got hyped like, <laughs> watching the video myself, but it's just, it, it lends itself to the fact that, Tyler Boyd would essentially be the replacement for Yuzuma. I mean, he is a fairly big slot receiver in his own right. And the fact that he can run some of those routes and be that possession receiver that we would expect him to be because he has been their primary slot receiver anyway, I think that kind of matches. So I do kind of like the over on his receptions as of right now, because even if Yuzoma does wind up playing, I can see a scenario where he's only playing in Spe- uh, spe- like specific situations or even plays maybe let's say 40 or 50 percent of his normal uh, snap allotment and that would give Tyler Boyd more time on the field more time in order to rack up a few easy receptions and if we're even going back to the narrative that we discussed earlier about the Bengals offensive line versus the Rams defensive front if he does if Burrow needs to get the ball out quickly and they're not going to deploy Joe Mixon in the way that we would want them to Tyler Boyd would be the one to benefit, I think, from those quick passes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Receiving-wise, Professor, I know, Chris, you were fond on uh, Cooper Cup going over eight and a half catches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we sat on the show, you know, had, like midway at, you know, a little before the midway point of the season when we were talking about we were getting these Cooper Cup props at like six and a half catches. And I said, you know, there's going to be a point in the season where we get to like these eight and a half, nine and a half, and we're just going to be hammering the overs on those too. Um, you know, we've, we've been here for a few weeks, a, few, a couple months now on Cooper cup, uh, very comfortable with the way that distribution is going to go. Uh, professor, are you also feeling like it's still going to be a big Cooper cup game? Yeah, I, I think you can hit the over. I mean, you're only getting 75 here. So relative to the scoring, um, you know, I, I think it's one that you can feel pretty comfortable is going to hit. So it's it's easy points. Um, so maybe yeah. you can combine it with some higher ones we that we've talked about here. If you're going Sony 130, maybe Tyler Boyd, you know, maybe you can get that one as one of your 10. Um, yeah, and it's important real quick to highlight that it's actually at seven and a half on Thrive, but that's one of the reasons that it's weighted the way it's weighted uh, for the 75 right. points. But most books are going to have it at eight and a half. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. the gimme of the slate. Yeah. Right. And and I guess, I don't know, I think we can have Chris talk to it a little bit more. I mean, will Wuzier be on cup mostly? How's that going to work? I'm one, I don't know if that's going to generally be the case because Wuzier like, has played, I don't say primarily outside, but I'd say, well, I guess, yeah, primarily would be the best way to describe it. While he can move around, he's definitely not like Jalen Ramsey, who has essentially played the star position uh, for the Rams, where throughout most of the regular season, he was playing towards the interior, even playing up on the defensive line for a few snaps, but now is primarily played on the outside. So I would expect maybe like somebody like, let's say like Mike Hilton, like towards the uh, towards the interior that could wind up defending cup. But I just don't think it's going to matter. 
I mean, so far throughout the uh, throughout the playoffs, I mean, slot receivers. What AJ Brown went for, uh, for three for eighty nine. Tyreek went for five for sixty two. McCall Hardman three for fifty two. I mean, Hunter Renfro, even though he was also competing with Darren Waller for targets in the middle of the field or from the slot, went six for forty five. I mean, slot receivers have gotten over on the Bengals like so far throughout the playoffs. And I mean, Cooper Cup is a head and shoulders. I mean, maybe not over Tyreek, but at least in that particular area of the field in terms of both route running and being able to shake off like the types of coverages or even the uh, defensive uh, defensive corners that he's going to face in the area of the field. I mean, it's just going to be very difficult to hold him down at that point. So, yeah, I definitely love the the over uh, eight and a half receptions uh, for for Cooper Cup. And to be quite honest, uh, one of the bets, uh, a, a similar bet or correlated bet to that is Cooper Cup at plus 600 to be the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, if you're of the mindset that it's possible for this year for us to see a non-quarterback Super Bowl candidate, and we also are, I think most of the money at this point is on the Rams winning this game, I mean, Cooper Cup would be probably the most likely, I mean, unless we see Aaron Donald just completely go off and just maul Joe Burrow, I don't know, do one of those like fumble six like recoveries or something like that. (laughs) But at least from an offensive standpoint, I think Cooper Cup stands to have like the most value in terms of a non-quarterback Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, and last time I looked, uh, BetMGM had the best odds still at that. It was plus 600 where a lot of places were Mm -hmm. hovering around 500 or plus 450. So uh, definitely check that out. Agree with everything that Chris said there. I just want to make one quick point at the ass end of the Thrive Slate here. There's an Evan McPherson prop. Nine and a half. The the Vegas line on this is seven and a half. If you pick the under, which is kind of where this projects out to go, it's actually weighted a lot heavier with 120 points on the under. Uh, So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to point out that if I am playing Thrive, I do like that play, but I also like betting on a lot of these Vegas overs that we see for some of the kicking props with the over one and a half field goals, the over seven and a half points. Um, although McPherson is just nailing field goals like left and right, um, you know, he's getting you 12 points worth of uh, field goals alone every game this playoffs. But I just wanted to throw that out there. We got to kind of cut the uh, thrive props short here because we can't give away all the money. We just keep, uh, you know, giving out these these good uh, Dr. Berm recommendations and people are cleaning up. But uh, Professor, I wanted to throw it to you before we get into some of the um you know, exotics and a couple other ones to finish up the show here. Yeah, no, I just think that, um, you know, kind of what uh, bouncing off of what Chris was just saying about Ramsey, you know, just flipping the the mashups and it's always what I'm looking at, you know, and it, obviously Ramsey's going to be on Jamar a lot. I mean, we, we have to think that, uh, that T Higgins or Tyler Boyd is going to come up, you know, you know, very fruitful yeah. in this game. So, you know, picking one of those guys and kind of hammering uh, one of them, I, I think is a good, you know, move. I mean, T Higgins has been dominant the past couple of games here. We have seen him disappear, unfortunately. And usually that's just when Jamar can get whatever he wants. Well, if mm-hmm. Ramsey doesn't allow Jamar to get whatever he wants, then we might see a big T Higgins game. He's another guy who I've been just waiting for the touchdown to happen. It hasn't happened this whole playoffs. Uh, you know, maybe it happens here. I think it's a great opportunity for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with that. Um, Real quick. I know we had a couple of other props that we wanted to talk about kind of like a little more exotic, not necessarily stat based. A lot of people can kind of reference their favorite sites projections, um, you know, base that off whatever you, you believe, but 
um, with some of these more intricate, this is the only time of year we get to bet this kind of stuff most of the time. So um, Chris, I'll throw it to you first. And I think, I think I know why you like this one, but um, you wanted to bet on, will there be a pick six and you're, and you're hammering. Yes. Yes. uh, Because if you look at either team now, I think Joe Burrow from a completion percentage standpoint, he's had one of the best uh, completion percentage, like over expectation, Uh, like that mark for him. Like he's had one of the highest, like throughout any of the quarterbacks that are currently in the playoffs right now. And we've watched, and, but at the same time, he does wind up getting into those situations like where he's kind of feeling himself and he forgets his limitations as a quarterback. And one of them being his arm strength Like we've seen, I mean, especially during the Chiefs game where he tried to hit Jamar Chase on the sideline. I mean, that wound up turning into an interception because he just he doesn't have that arm strength in order to get that down there. So. Not to say it's going to turn into a pick six or something like that, but that situation does come. And especially also on the flip side of the ball. I mean, how many times have we been just completely gone? I mean, how many times Rams fans have gone completely bonkers over Matt Stafford throwing directly into traffic? (laughs) I mean, what? It was like towards the back end of the season where it was, I mean, a he was throwing an interception while they were on their own side of the field almost every single game. I think yep. it was the game against the Baltimore Ravens, like where yeah. it was just like there, there was a pick six, like almost immediately. So it's like I can to- I can totally see with the way that the Bengals defense has been coming up with some of those turnovers, they could put Matt Stafford in that type of situation, especially with having guys like Trey Hendrickson up front to kind of create some of that pressure. So I still think that there's a chance. I mean, especially with I forget what odds I think I saw that from. It was like plus 500 or something like that for a pick six. I could totally see something like that happening in this game. Oh, that's yeah. great odds, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's a few things out there that have you know some pretty good odds. Uh, Chris tucked Chris touched on the uh, the Cooper Cup odds. Um, you know, this pick six odds are like that. Uh, if you do think that one of the Rams are going to show up and show out, uh, you can bet any defensive player to score a t- uh, or to be the MVP. That one's around like nine hundred. Uh, that one doesn't hit very often. Obviously, mm, it's pretty yeah. much a, a heavy quarterback award. Um, but there are some nice dark horses. I got Von Miller at four plus 4,800 earlier. He's hovering around plus 3,200, uh, in most places right now. Um, the last couple, uh, bets that I wanted to throw out there are, uh, you know, Sean McVay related Sean McVay never challenges plays and he blow and he wastes timeouts, you know, pretty, pretty religiously. Oh, yeah. So I would, I would love to bet, uh, that the Bengals would be the first team to challenge and the Rams would be the first team to call a timeout. Uh, those are right around like 130, 135. Uh, I'm sorry, minus 130, 135 uh, in that neighborhood, uh, you know, based on some of the other books here. And of course, I'm in Michigan. Want to just remind you guys, you want to kind of, you know, friendly reminder, shop around and, uh, you know, grab the, grab the best lines wherever you can here. But uh, Chris, I love that you touched up on, the Boyd and the Jefferson uh, longest reception props because they're priced like almost evenly. And uh, which is weird to me. I, yeah. I yeah. I mean, you're yeah. talking about one, you know, you're talking about all the air yards and all the A dot on one side and then the yeah. exact opposite on the other. So um, I really, really like the under on the longest one for Boyd as well. Um, professor, any, any final thoughts or I know you want to give, do you want to give a couple other, other of these other ones? So there's a couple fun halftime props, uh, okay. but I want to talk about receptions because I love reception props. You know, I love going hitting the you know 
get the at least and then pump those up. So we got Kendall Blanton. Obviously, Tyler Higby isn't going to play at four receptions plus 120. I think that's fair. And yeah. then, look, if you think that he – if there is a chance you – know, I don't know, you know, Bengals against tight ends. I haven't looked into that. But, you know, it quickly gets into six at plus 490. Ooh. Okay? So I know that six is very unlikely. But, you know, we're talking about Tyler Higby is not in this game at all. If they find some sort of weakness, I mean, you know, he could maybe pull out six. You got an easy plus 490 right there potentially. And just a note, in the beginning of the week, both – Higgins and Beckham for six receptions apiece. We're at plus 100 each. That's both at minus 100 some now. So people have been betting. That's what the, it's both minus 103 for six receptions. So people have been betting on Higgins, Odell. So, you know, sometimes I think you can lean into that and say, all right, mm-hmm. you know, I actually, I, I want that skin still. So it's probably not too late. I would still attack those and parlay yeah. those. But real quick, uh, I don't know if you guys are Eminem fans or not. I know, like, you know, you're from Detroit, obviously, uh, Josh. So, Chris, yeah, you're I'm, Eminem I'm fan? Away, yeah, I'm a ways from 8 Mile, but, you know, grew, grew, up, grew up listening <laughs> eight, to them. 8 Miles that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's plus 500 uh, to, if he's going to wear a Detroit Lions jersey. I think it's likely, oh, man. Uh-huh. I think he's going to wear that Matthew Stafford jersey over your left shoulder there, Josh. Like, plus 500 mm-hmm. odds? Yeah, it's, I mean, that. hey, it's possible. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Saw uh, saw Devin Booker sporting one out on the links with uh, CP3 today. So, oh, wow. and, and it was the Lions version, but uh, but Booker's, Booker's from Michigan, just like Eminem. So, uh, a little added incentive. Um, yeah, you can't bet a lot of this stuff in Michigan, so it kind of sucks. You can't bet some of this really really fun stuff. Um, I'd love to smash some national anthem props here, but they're not, uh, yeah, they're not live, but you know, Hey, we got, you got to get the information. That's an information based, uh, market right there. Yeah. I heard about that one too. I heard that there was some, somebody leaked like a producer or somebody that was at the yeah, last year, for the national yeah. anthem. Yeah. yeah. They kind of leaked that it was, it was the over was going to hit for it. And yep. books just immediately pulled the lines after, I think it was like five <laughs> minutes after the news leaked, like they just pulled them Dead. out. Yeah. It was, yeah. So, trying to, trying to wear the cape, but unfortunately, man, he got the cover I mean, out. What so, if yeah. you're, you know, some of these props, I mean, what if you just know, there has to be people that know some of these things. You're in oh, Eminem's yeah. team. You the know what he's wearing crew. on Sunday. Yeah. Oh yeah. The show production crews know everything, man. I mean, those right. people have to make millions. I mean, they're, you they're know. making a killing if they're not looking right. at these books. What are they doing? I guess they, they got signs up in. I don't know, but all right, they go they go to LA, do the Super Bowl halftime show. They produce this huge events. I mean, you know, the Whitney Houston Star Spangled Banner is still like the best like you know performance ever. Like a lot of people say, I oh, mean, this yeah. is a Super Bowl performance. You know, this is huge. The halftime show is going to be you know pretty 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 epic i mean a lot of a lot of the boomer crowds probably gonna not dig it but uh <laughs> I mean, sure. uh, it is what it is but i, hey, I love Dre's the gonna lineup. be there yeah i love the lineup, man. <laughs> the lineup is outstanding so you know these show production people get in you know they got the, they got the iphone and stopwatches out you know they're texting their friends they go back to whatever town they grew up in every time it's like oh they get dinner bought for them drinks because they're winning all oh, yeah. money they're winning money everybody's winning money so they're all they're mm-hmm. all just making out like bandits here's an interesting yeah. one if we if we set mcpherson four field goals in each of these playoff games well it's 4.5 field goals for both teams at plus 275 mm-hmm. okay not bad yeah, yeah that's uh 
that's a nice little stair stepper. Like are these field goals, the way these field goals have been playing out, uh, Matt Gay getting pretty heavily involved too. So it's like the way these kind of line up, you could, you know, wager up on the ladder, so to speak, I think is, mm-hmm. is how a lot of people refer to it. And you bet, you know, both kickers to get, you know, over one and a half, both kickers over two and a half, both kickers over three and a half. And I mean, if that's the way, if it's just like a big foot to the ball fest, then uh, that's, that's what you're going to get is you're just going to start raking in after every one of these bets just keeps hitting yeah. and hitting. Right. So, that's um, a good, good call. But yeah, it's not, uh, there's not, I didn't love a lot of, uh, that's kind of like a little similar to like points betting, but um, you know, here in points, we have points bet here in Michigan. And uh, I did take Chris, I would love to get your opinion on this one. Um, okay. Just, just so we can wrap up the show. Uh, I did uh, over on um, P Ryan's, receiving yards because it's like really low i think it was like 12 and a half or 13 and a half something like that i saw that um, one yeah uh-huh yeah so i i mean i'm 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 going for that one we'll see how that one because i i can't lose very much because it's a nice low total um mm-hmm. but i wanted to, what i what, what i wanted to get your opinion on was i mean dude with the rams and the niners were playing to get here and how would that have like sucked or would you have liked it if it would have been the niners again like another chance at revenge or like the like you know I, I did not want to see the Niners in there personally. No, like and I had a couple of folks that uh, texted me about like which would you prefer? Uh, would you wanted the 49ers? Would you wanted the Rams? To be quite honest, I think I want I think I wanted the Rams just for the reasons that I was talking about earlier regarding the uh, like the pick six potential because I just don't see like while Jimmy Garoppolo can throw like you know as we've watched him do like when yeah. the 49er season ended like throwing one of those just like soul crushing interceptions that the uh for 49ers and Kyle Shanahan like they take the ball out of his hands so often the chance for one of those interceptions likely isn't as high as it would be for Matt Stafford because yeah. the Rams I mean their offense is predicated on passing I mean until right. they get into like the red zone and things of that nature when Sean McVay gets a little bit more conservative the same way that Zach Taylor gets the he gets the same way I mean obviously since they coach together yeah. but I that's why I think I kind of preferred that because with the Bengals defense continually making plays like week in and week out it at least gives the entire team a chance to stay in the game. If Matt Stafford's still out there dropping passes, so that there's a chance to get pressure on him, put him in those types of situations where we saw some of those ugly throws towards the back end of the regular season crop up to the point where he's causing turnovers. So, yeah, I, I think that's it's possible from that standpoint to see it happen. That's kind of why I preferred the Rams, but at the same time, obviously, with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Odell Beckham, I mean, star after star after star that they have on that team. It just makes it all that much more difficult for the Bengals to get over on them. But it's just one game. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you they're an opportunistic defense, the Bengals are, and they have yeah. been. And you're going to throw more. Well, that creates more opportunity. I think what we're going to see a lot in this game is that there's going to be like 50-50 balls of – Man, Odell came out down with that, but that could have been a pick six. Or oh, oh that was a pick right. six, but that could have been it's a really Maddie great play. Maddie snapbacks. snapbacks. Yeah. Hey, so, you gunslinger. Know, hey, He's a gunslinger. Right. You guys, I didn't want to talk about this, but you guys led me right into it for this reason. You guys just brought this up. I bet on one dollar, a hot dollar, on both of the mm-hmm. Bengal safeties to win MVP. I mean, it's like okay. four hundred fifty bucks if it's Von Bell, and it's like three hundred bucks, I think if it's Bates. So it's like, yeah, 
Yeah, why not? He throws most of his picks to safeties anyway. You know, you guys mentioned uh-huh. that Ravens game earlier where they were lucky to escape with the win. But right. uh, good good reference point there, Chris. But the uh, but dude, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show again, man, and spending time and uh, breaking this down, being generous with your time at that. And uh, you got to be excited, man. I, I really am. And uh, I'm headed down to Cincinnati uh, to a brewery down there. Uh, kind of like maybe 10, 15 minutes outside the city to go catch the game uh, so with some folks like other analysts, like in the industry, uh, John Daigle, uh, formerly of Roto World. Uh, but now like he's driving over from Chicago to come kick it. Ian Harditz uh, from PFF. Uh, he's going to be like he lives down in Cincinnati. But mm-hmm. a few of us and a couple other buddies, we're going to get together and watch the game like down there with other Bengals fans. So being able to be in the thick of it with other Bengals, uh, you know, in Bengals territory and all that, it should be a fun experience. So win or lose like i said at the beginning i'm happy for the way that the team is right now and the fact that folks are proud to be Bengals fans so either way i mean they've exceeded my expectations i just hope we don't there are no injuries that we have to worry about over the offseason but right like, right good one good thing point. that's guaranteed speaking of 49ers earlier is people are going to remember this Bengals team way more oh, yeah. than that 49ers team a couple years ago yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it sounds like you're gonna. It sounds like somebody's gonna be bringing some skyline chili. So, uh, I, I I hope. Uh, I I don't I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, I hope it. I hope it's it goes right. well. Yeah, I hope it I'm goes. Not uh, take a bath in it, like CJ Uzma said. If they win the if they win the Super Bowl, I ain't I ain't doing all that. Uh, but no, oh. I, mean, I, I might you know maybe have a, a couple of conies or something like that after you know, maybe the day after might need it anyway to help recover from all the alcohol consumption. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Good call, man. We know, we know that's going down. So, well, again, man, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Professor, any final thoughts, man? Enjoy the game. Uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, obviously if you have any questions and then, uh, you know, check out, uh, you know, the show on our audio, of course, I mean, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're going to be putting this up. Uh, just like we do with every show. So get it on Apple Podcast. Go subscribe over there. And I'm uh, really excited for the game, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Good uh, good call on the podcast. We'll uh, we'll be throwing out our trivia night episode with Maddie Kroll in a couple weeks. Just uh, we'll just give you guys a little something to keep it rolling here during the offseason before we start getting into free agency and all that kind of good stuff that we like to go down. And uh, you know, it's basically going to be so it's pretty much already dynasty season. So we'll have plenty of that for you guys, some mock draft action and some other fun stuff to break down here on the hot take as we move into the off season. But for myself, for the OG, Mr. Steven Taroni, and for our special guest, Mr. Chris Allen, we hope you guys have an awesome, or should I say super Sunday. And this has been the hot take podcast.